right. We're rolling? Let's do it. Let's do a really great. good episode. Oh, let's just do a great episode of a great podcast. All right. Do you feel like that? <clears throat> You've twisted my arm. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll yeah. make great content with my friends. It's not what I came here to do originally, but yeah. you know what? It's going to do my taxes. I'm just going to roll but with it. Taxes. <laughs> They're late. Taxes. Taxes. They're coming for you. They're not. They're going to kick down the door. I'd be worried. You got this on record now. I, I use a person you for use my a taxes person? now. Um, What's his name? Their name. Don't dox them, you're recording. <laughs> <laughs> Tax places love being doxed, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Biz- businesses, businesses love being, being doxed. Yeah. That's one thing that businesses are notorious for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just little doxes. <laughs> what, well, do McDonald's just dox themselves? <laughs> uh, <laughs> just watching Fred Air TV, but what the fuck? Everyone's <laughs> doxing themselves. <laughs> So come on down! <laughs> Why would you say that? <laughs> you idiot! You don't know who's watching. You're giving them your exact address. <laughs> so don't Righto. don't do that. Uh, hot yeah. tip from your friends at Hottest One Hundreds and Thousands. Uh, hot business tip. Yeah. Quit doxing yourself. <laughs> I.e. Stop running ads. Is this, this is the real tip? Start coming out. Stop yeah. running ads. Hey guys, thank you so much for coming to this poetry night. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to try out something new. Uh, I really hope you guys dig it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. I already know what it is and I'm mad. (laughs) I came into this world as a reject. Look into these eyes and you'll see the size of the flames dwelling on the past it's burning on my brain. Everyone that burns has to learn from the pain. Hey. I think about the day my girlie ran away with my pay mm. when fellas came to play. Now she's stuck with my homies. She fucked and I'm just a sucker with the lump in my throat. Like a chump. I'm like a chump. Like a chump. Like a chump. We are hottest 100s and thousands and we have taken control of your radio station. My name. My name is Fred Durst, and I'm one of the four voices you are going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me in this in this creative common space once again, I've got to give some love to my crew. My crew right here, Mr. Adam Bonshaw. Hey. Hey, man. Hey. We got my boy Andrew McDonald in the house. I, I've never been more keen to fucking talk about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> <laughs> This is all it takes. <laughs> this is yeah. all it takes. Fake slam poetry. Don't want to forward sell. Who knows? Let's fake? Wait. <laughs> Who are you calling fake, bitch? Nathan Harrison's here. Uh, look, I'm mad, but that was very, very good. Yeah. So, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, we, got, we got some shit to talk about today. This is the last top 10 of the 1990s. So let's do a quick rundown of what we have in store for you over the next couple of weeks. So first up today, we are going through songs 10 through to 6. They must uh, all be really good songs. They are wall-to-wall <laughs> classics. To Obviously, this high. they got this high, you know. 
90 songs down, 10 to go. We are here. We've got this. Uh, then we are going to be putting on our official halftime show. The, the, we are the halftime entertainment at the Super Bowl this year. Uh, and for that, we are going to be doing our world-famous remix episode. And then... We're mementoing this shit. We're going all the way back to the very, very beginning. Before season seven even started, we counted down the top five live in the great, great city of Canberra. And you get to hear that. But right now, I'm ready. This whole fucking crew is ready. Can we get some snaps going? Yeah. Hell yeah. At number 10, this is the Red Hot Chili Peppers with Scar Tissue. Scar Tissue. That I wish you saw Sarcastic Mr. Know-It-All I'll close your eyes and I'll kiss you Cause with the birds I'll share With the birds I'll share It's a lonely view and With the birds I'll share It's a lonely view and Push me up against the wall Young tuck girl in a push-up bra I'm falling all over myself To lift your heart Scar Tissue from the album Californication coming in at number 10 in the 1999 Triple J Hottest 100, named of course after the famous book by Anthony Kiedis, which came out several years after the fact. They were really running ahead of schedule there. Gotta pay that. I wonder if the relatives had heard of the book. Is my question. That's a great question. I think it's all part of the extended chili universe. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, of course. The, the, the California universe. Yeah. <laughs> or, or California, to coin a phrase. The California universe. <laughs> the famous fictional place that all chili pepper songs take place in. Yeah. <laughs> I created an epic mythos around this place yeah. called California. Where and like, in the fiction of that, that place, they're a really good band with really good songs. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Way to dox them as well, saying they're from California. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's start with the Ant-Man of the... Uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers universe, Mr. Adam Buncher. Say what you will, using real lyrics is a damn side better than <laughs> saying ding dong ding dang it's like, hey, Anthony, uh, maybe you could change some of your lyrics to nonsense to words. Mm. Oh, everyone can enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> well. And you know what? I actually think some of the words in here, they're pretty good. Maybe it's because that I've recently got through reading um, a book that kind of dealt with heroin addiction in itself, but I'm reading oh, a lot of... Oh, you read Scar Tissue? No, no. Oh, I, I, read, thought um... I thought that was the joke. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> there are other books. <laughs> I, I, really, I really feel like reading Scar Tissue now... If you haven't read that in your teenage years... It's done, man. I you missed that one. Funny. Kind of, you know. But I, but how much was it one of those books that seriously, like, everyone in high school was like, have you read Scar Tissue? Yeah. Oh, my God. A, similar, yeah. in, in some circles, similar to uh, Motley Crue's The Dirt. Like, yeah. Like, if, if you're, like, not a big reader, but you love music, mm. and you'll read those two. Hey, man, if it gets the kids reading... Oh, yeah. no, I'm not bad-mouthing them. No, exactly. Um, actually, I'm bad-mouthing Molly Crew. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. Probably not reading is still preferable to reading the dirt. Yeah. Um, Whatever, dudes. The um, dirt is sick. 
I actually think um like we've badmouthed them and teased them in certain ways, but yeah. like the opening riff for this track sets you up Gorgeous. for a nice blues rock number. They yeah. know exactly yep. what they're goddamn doing here. Yeah, and um, also the the way I particularly like the solo serving as like an intermission between verses. You know, like it's instead of one elongated solo, we're continually coming into solo land and then coming back into lyrical land. Mm. That really helps the contemplative kind of tone, the the reflective kind of tone that this song has. Because that's really what it is all about. Like, this to me is Under the Bridge Part 2. Hmm. If Under the Bridge is the, the main part of the book, then this is the coda. It's very much reflecting back on a troubled time from a point of view of now, cool, we're through that, what comes next? And, you know, still having fears about that, definitely having some feelings, but kind of having a little bit of hope in it as well. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's all there in the with the birds I'll share this lonely view. And apparently, uh, and this is described in Scar Tissue, so anyone who's read Scar Tissue is going to hear a really bad secondhand account from someone who's read... A, none of someone, Scar Tissue. <laughs> none, of, none of Scar Tissue and only a small portion of... A genius annotation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically. But apparently this was partly inspired by Anthony Kiedis um, kind of sitting outside while the rest of the band are jamming inside and kind of having a sense of not really belonging or, or feeling outside of that. And at one point, I think he's gone on record saying like he's always felt like the least talented member of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So now I kind of feel bad. I mean, there's bad. no evidence to back that. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of feel... None whatsoever. Yeah, no, I feel bad, like, teasing him so much in all around the world. Because that's literally what I said. Like, the rest of the band is doing really great work. Keaters, come on, pick it up. All of the uh, all of the lyrics are incredibly confessional. Like it's doesn't it isn't to the yeah. point where like like him saying um like obviously scar tissue like the term like the term scar for, tissue uh, that I wish you saw. It's like yeah. I I've been through this and I want you to kind of know about that and I don't think you will get it even if I could explain it to you even if I could show you you know the the scars that I carry with yeah. me all the time literal and figurative yeah and like in, even like um, when it's soft spoken with a broken jaw especially about John Frusciante like he had a broken yeah. jaw at some point oh, um, right. sarcastic Mr. Know-it-all um, is apparently about kind of the band in general but also Dave Navarro who just left the band recently yeah um, who's kind of like a sarcastic jokester kind of thing yeah and then close your eyes I'll kiss you Navarro and Kiedis were, were known to like share a passion on stage like it's yeah. very much about Kiedis's moment in life where he's getting clean and still trying to connect with his bandmates kind of thing I have a soft spot for confessional rock music even though like I, this is overplayed to the point of never needed to hear it again no, yeah. totally yeah. In the late as, 90s, as all Chili Peppers yeah. songs kind pretty of much in, hey. the, in the late 90s and the early 2000s this was inescapable mm. on everything from like Triple J to Power FM this was everywhere yep. um, it made, the big two yeah um <laughs> It's just part of the psyche of what the band of the Shippers do, kind of thing like that. Yeah. But again, for what they do, I think this one is like, it's kind of lovely. Like, I'm not like, I, I don't like it. I'm, 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 I'm never like desperate to hear this song, but like everything about it and like the solo, I'm glad you brought it up, Adam, because like mm. there's moments in it's that gorgeous. where like it's similar to the way that like, not that it's at the level of like the way that Dave Gilmore plays the solos, but like it's that same kind of approach. Like in a bluesy way, it's about the notes you don't play, you let things sit, you let things mm. rest and just let the solo be a vehicle for the song, not just like a Yingwei Malmsteen jerk yeah. off. Uh, guitar World placed the guitar solo as 63rd in its list of 100 greatest guitar solos. What was number one? I don't know. God damn it. Um, you had one job. <laughs> I, I found the through line, I think, for the Chili Pepper songs that I actually get the most out of and it's when they are expressing vulnerability. And I think they actually do that really, really well. I think that is what is so attractive about this song is that it's truthful in a way. Um, I said all my friends. I really I really dug that when we talked yeah, about yeah. it. You know, like I mentioned Under the Bridge as well. Like that's probably one of their, their first kind of forays into that kind of expressive vulnerability and whatever. Kiedis himself, you know, just in terms of going back to what it what it's about and, and, and getting some verification on the kind of 
vibe that we're getting. He himself says it's a playful, happy to be alive, phoenix rising from the ashes kind of vibe, which I think really, really does come through. The line that I keep coming back to that I think is just like so beautiful is falling over myself to lick your heart and taste your health. It's like from a point of view of an of a ex-drug addict or someone who's trying to get clean to feel an attraction towards a human being, not on its purely sexual way, but just to look at them and go like, oh my God, you're so pure and you are so healthy and that's what attracts me to you. That's heartbreaking. That's just good writing. Like that is a line. I'm like, tick. So the Chili Peppers are sitting in some of their understated strengths here, which is like that really kind of cruisy vibe, that bit of vulnerability and, you know, actually connecting into something real and not singing absolute goddamn (laughs) gibberish. Literal gibberish. Literal gibberish. I think it's just like, it's a really well composed song. And yeah, just that really chill groove of it works. It's all about Frashante, obviously. Like, because uh, he's back. Because he's, he's back. back. Baby. I, I don't know if you guys heard, <laughs> but um, yeah, from 1999 to 2010, I think he was back. Uh, he's 2009, in- I think he left. I mean, sure. He probably um, had some stuff that he picked up in 2010. Like, yeah. he left, you know, he was like, yeah, yeah, gone yeah, yeah, in 2009. Yeah, yeah. Back briefly. He was like, left hey, on Christmas, came back on New Year's just to pick his shit up. I have my copy of Scar Tissue. I need to come back to <laughs> It's really, have you guys read this? Yeah, yeah. It's really good. <laughs> he sounds like a guy I know. Like, <laughs> dude, this is so you. <laughs> That'd be a very good bit if you were famous. Like Alison Breeze on like Jimmy Kimmel and then like James Franco is like, Dave Franco is like, baby, this is so you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God, you look just like her. Yeah, that'd be a good reason to get famous. Yeah. Oh, good shit. For the, for the bit. For the bit. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do it all for the bit, yeah. baby. If you, if you get famous, you can do so many bits. Yeah. <laughs> so Not many. enough people do the bits though. That's like... <laughs> I agree. Yeah, that, that, that's why like... That's why it is remarkable that like... Bill Murray's done all that shit, right? Like, oh, going to South he by Southwest yeah. and, like, jumping back behind the counter and giving everybody a shot to kill them no matter what they order. Good bit, man. <laughs> do you think, do you think <laughs> strong people yeah. were famous and did bits? It, like, devalues doing a bit as what? a famous person and it just becomes like, like oh, well, I guess... Potentially, but I think most of them wouldn't because most of them know the risk that it would have mm. for their PR thing, right? Because they, yeah. they're also handled. Oh, yeah. bits can go bad. Yeah, yeah. Joaquin Phoenix's bit is fucking amazing. Well, what was that again? When he, he, he grew oh, a beard. He, 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 pretended he pretended to quit to acting re- and become a uh, rapper. Yeah, and he just grew a terrible beard and he went on Letterman and maintained this bit of him saying that he's a rapper and yeah. he just was not talkative at all. But then the, the thing that shat me about that was just everyone was like, this is a bit, right? And he was like, <laughs> no. And then like two years later, he was like, guys, it was a bit. <laughs> and, was like, and we are all just like, okay. Yeah. We all know. Right. Yeah. Whatever. Well, I like Walking Phoenix. <laughs> but you see, the more cool people, guy. the more people who do bits, the more celebrities who do bits, will figure out what the good bits are, mm. and eventually every celebrity will just become a public nuisance, and fame will just what kind do you of become. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> more, more so. Yeah. You know. More like Holly Weird. Am I right, yeah. guys? <laughs> yeah. I think Walking Phoenix and I will be friends. Is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think. I think yes, he might hang out with me. We've read your fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I think he gets something out. <laughs> I do. I really want to read out the line from the Wikipedia article about Scar Tissue, though, with the music video. The opening shot is of John Frusciante driving down a strip of hi- desert highway, a metaphor for Frusciante's return to the band. Parentheses: He does not drive in real life. <laughs> That's how you know it's a metaphor. 
insane level of dedication that he learned how to drive just for the just yeah. for the video, just for the bit. I think it was all CGI. <laughs> this this is one of their nicer songs. Yeah, it's the, it is. The, yeah, it's very dialed back on the like. The masturbatory stuff that irks me about the Chili Peppers, like when they just get a bit self-indulgent. It kind this of feels is... like a bit of a transitional song as well, like from less of the kind of funky yeah. Nang Nong. Well, but, yeah. I guess, <laughs> but also, I guess by this point they'd kind of all but abandoned like their funk metal roots. Yeah, yeah. It was still, it was still a little bit a part of this record, but definitely more of a focus on like the straight up like pop rock sort of stuff mm. I think there are a couple of underlying things that I've always really liked here like uh, Frashante's harmonies in the chorus like yeah, I, I like that nice. as a vocal counterpart to what he's doing again he's a better singer than Anthony Kiedis <laughs> <laughs> Kiedis man is just like what am I doing he's alone he's very sad <laughs> he's fine he's very <laughs> sad and likes birds a lot yeah <laughs> Reminds me of this book. Scar <laughs> <laughs> tissue. Reminds me of this guy. <laughs> Reminds me of this bird. What up, Luster Murphy? <laughs> Share any view you like. Uh, with keep you. your heroin away from Bluster Murphy. Bluster straight edge. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah nice. That's why he's my bird. Maybe uh-huh. maybe he's sober, like he's teetotal now. Oh yeah, maybe. Because he lost a foot, didn't he? He lost a toe. Lost yeah, a toe. lost a toe. Yeah. That was when he was a babby. That's classic alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <know>. Yeah. <laughs> Did I tell you guys? <laughs> yeah, look, for this time period, it was absolutely one of my favourite Red Hot Chili Peppers songs. Again, I have no need whatsoever to ever hear it again. But re-listening to it in the context of re-listening to Californication, I was just like, oh yeah, I can see why... You know, this did so well and why people really, really loved it. Like, it's all about the kind of moving parts of of the band, like the engine room that is the three uh, actual musicians in the band, you know? Like, look! (laughs) Three Um, power trio of the band. Oh, dude, for sure. Three musicians and one author. (laughs) (laughs) It's cross-disciplinary. You know what I mean? Like how Flea will come in with like that... Like the just the, yeah. like the real high end shit where it's just like like riding that groove and then just mm. sliding up the fretboard, getting a little bit of work in there, and just the ghost notes on the snare and just the way that Chad always plays is just got. It's, I forgot there was a Chad in the Chili Peppers. That's great. <laughs> That's great. They're all kind of Chads. <laughs> <laughs> the Chad Chad versus the Virgin Chad. <laughs> all right. All right. Good shit, Chili Peppers. You're all right. And number nine, this is Pearl Jam with their cover of Last Kiss.
number nine in the 1999 Hottest 100, that is uh, their cover of Last Kiss, Nathan Harrison. To say this is our 11th Pearl Jam song, um, it's been a hot minute since we talked about them, nearly a season and a half since mm. um, Do the Evolution, which we all oh, really love. Yeah. What a song! What a tune! Absolutely. This um, is a slightly different song um i'm gonna i'm gonna uh put my 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 take at the the front of the explanation i think this is terrible but it's not really pearl jam's fault yes that's my that's my line because you think this the original song sucks ass well kind well i mean i think the original song it's just that very that era of like pseudo christian music like the whole thing is just a bit like the story of the song about, you know, the car crash. Well, and the, the, like the teen tragedy trope, right? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, there were so many of them yeah. back in the day. It was such a yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, and so like, whatever. That it's, it, I don't think it's great. And I think the... Uh, and there's a few different originals because we had the first one in 61. We're all queer and my baby be. And then uh, J. Frank and the Cavaliers not long after that in 64. Well, we're all and my baby be. Um, and then in the 70s, a Canadian group called... Wednesday. All songs have kind of charted and they've always yeah. been kind of so this has kept coming back and been popular in various different ways. It's a lot more of that kind of archetypal fifties rockabilly thing. Yeah. And it's got yeah. a little bit more pace and it's got a little bit more energy. And honestly, those earlier two sixties versions I I much prefer if I yeah, had to sure. lay them all out and, and the, choose the, preferences. This was released for a good cause though. Well that's it. Yeah. So so <laughs> Eddie Vedder found this song, he found a record of this in like an op shop and he was like, Oh, I really like this song. I maybe he hadn't heard it before, I don't know. And he was like Hey, rest of Pearl Jam, we should jam on this and let's just play it or whatever. Let's play it. We should Pearl Jam on this. We should Pearl Jam on this. Oh, do you reckon they say that all the time? They absolutely do. You'd have to. Or you'd go to jail. So they played it a bunch and then they played it um, uh, in a few live sets because they do covers all the time. We've talked about that before. Uh, We talked about Leaving Here, the Jebediah cover. (laughs) (laughs) People got really into it, which, you know, they shouldn't. (laughs) It's it's very cruel of them to do that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But you can also see how, like, this is a really chill easy song to jam on that I, I i can see a band getting into this because it's it's a change of pace for pearl jam to do something like this and it's a bit different or whatever then because everyone really loved it they recorded it and put it on a charity album for um benefit of uh, the kosovo refugees that's a good move yeah and no one here is gonna say that you know they shouldn't have done that yeah. <laughs> and so that that you know with raised, that yeah. <laughs> raised a lot of money that's really good got really popular it's just not good it's it's quite bad. It's just like yeah. it's so sad. It hasn't held up. Hey. It's kind of. It doesn't suit Eddie's voice. The band sounds like they're all on Valium. Oh God! It, yeah, it's... you got Matt Cameron. <laughs> Matt Cameron went from playing in Soundgarden <laughs> to Pearl Jam. He is one of the loudest, fastest, hardest hitting motherfuckers in rock history, and yeah. you have him going. <laughs> <laughs> Like fuck off! But also, like, look where Pearl Jam has gone through, right? You know, they were the they were the darlings of the grunge movement, the, one of the biggest bands in the absolute world. They were they survived almost being crushed by the pressure of being the front people for that for that movement, and then that movement yeah. violently was taken away from them. They had to literally build themselves back up from scratch, from the bottom, reinvent themselves, find a new sound, stay relevant, and somehow they managed to do that, even though there was that terrible song where they let the bass player sing. <laughs> Oh, yeah. They went through all that. They survived. And for this? 
Like, it, it, is, it is spiteful for people to like this as much as they do. Because they can't die, goddammit! Because, because Pearl Jam, seriously, they didn't want this to be their sound. Well, that's and, it. And then, like, and Australia is more guilty than anywhere else. This was number one for seven, seven weeks! weeks. <laughs> you are just cruel. I remember that vividly because I used to watch the Rage Top 50 every morning and this fucking song didn't have a music video, so you just get to the end of the thing and then it's just like the rage thing would come up it's just like number one Pearl Jam last is like oh I guess I can oh, leave cool, early that's anticlimactic <laughs> every fucking week for yeah. like two months so the thing is is like this yeah like the problem with this is that like it paints Pearl Jam as a different band so I remember hearing songs that are more like this for Pearl Jam and then when people say man Pearl Jam rule I'm like are they two bands yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just so cruel of people to like this <laughs> It is that kind of easy listening, just way too relaxed thing. I can see, I can, I can see why I got number one because it would be more appealing to normies than like do the evolution, which fucking rules. Well, yeah, it's like it's like fucking Faith No More's cover of Easy Like Sunday Morning. Yeah, you know there was always like a couple of like ins where like these alternative rock bands would get played. Like normally. Never would have played Limp Bizkit, but, you know, the local uh, adult contemporary radio station used to play Behind Blue Eyes every fucking oh, yeah. two days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I want to talk about with this song as well. Um, it's been changed back, unfortunately, but for a period, like, it was like for a week oh, or so. Oh, was it like Wikipedia synopsis? Yes, it was. Uh, under the song for Last Kiss, it mentions all the cover versions and that, and under the Pearl Jam section, there's a section called Reaction of Mark Siebeling. <laughs> That's Who, the, what? Is it, is it, Who is Mark Siebeling? It just says reaction of Mark Siebeling, and the text is he loved it then and loves it now. <laughs> <laughs> so just some random dude. Oh. It's, it has since been changed back, and, but like for a period, I read was that. It ver- did they have a citation? No. And that, Damn it! Because then I spent a while googling Mark Siebeling and Pearl Jam, being like, and then Mark Siebeling Pearl Kiss. Maybe he was one of the writers, or maybe he was like the. It was inspired by his life, something like that. Trying to figure out the connection, and then I went to the edit history. I'm like, oh, it's an unverified IP address that added this, but it lasted for a week or so. It was very good. That is That's great. Fun. Fucking great! He it's loved very... it then and loves it now. So, Mark, if you're listening, get better you're taste. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's very cruel of you, Mark. Yeah. It's okay to hate this song and still want the best for refugees. Yeah, and yeah, also, exactly. and also the best for Pearl Jam. I totally. want this to be awesome. For, yeah, and the best for Pearl Jam. I, too. Want, I want yeah. Pearl Jam to be awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's just that this song is kind of the worst parts of Pearl Jam. And yeah. then I just like I really remember in high school a bunch of people just like wanting to play it on guitar and being like oh it's just such a beautiful song and it's like no it's, it's not, not. it fucking sucks it just, it's absolutely <laughs> one of those songs that like it's, really- it, it's, the, it's the worst kind of at the party white guy gets acoustic guitar out yeah. what should I play guys my friend, my baby, and oh, she died in a car, or whatever. Like, I can't remember the lyrics. You got it. You got it. You nailed it. Like those, it's that one of those songs, right? Like, it it's, it's, it's the, the white guy acoustic guitar and the party songs, which yeah. are verifiably the worst of music. <laughs> the, anyway, here's one to all. The US did much better than us. This only reached number two over there. Underneath, <laughs> underneath the debut single for Jennifer Lopez, "If You Had My Love." You guys, yes! to that? you guys listened to that recently? It's a fucking oh, good song. Can I change my postal vote? <laughs> that's not <laughs> fucking slack. Well, no, let's just talk about it now. Really great song. Originally was offered up to Michael Jackson. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. Originally was offered up to Michael Jackson and he heard it and went, I really like this, but this is not for me, but there's going to be a female singer who's going to... Really nail it. Nailed it. Fun Michael Jackson fact I found out recently. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it is fun. It is fun. Have you guys seen 
Jocko? No, it there is are so fun. many facts that are not fun. <laughs> Got a fun the, fact about a certain Jeffrey that died in prison. <laughs> The fun Michael Jackson fact is the day that his head oh. caught on fire in the Pepsi commercial was the absolute middle of his life. <laughs> I beg your pardon? You know when he was filming the Pepsi commercial and his head caught on fire? It's mathematically the, the exact middle That's of his, his life. That, that was his midlife crisis, literally. <laughs> How did you... Did someone do the math? Must have. Yeah. That's fucked up! They, they yeah. did the monster math. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a subreddit. Uh, uh, it's, it's not my joke. My joke. Oh. It's not my joke. I can't. Oh, but also the, the the subline for that Reddit is very good. It's uh, one plus one equals two spooky. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Jesus Christ. Um, Sean Combs, P Diddy. Yeah, yeah, uh, was yeah. One my of the boy. Pro- also one of the producers for uh, Jennifer Lopez's. Um... <laughs> is that your if favorite you Jennifer life. Lopez song? Uh, if I had to choose, yes. Whoa. Yeah. What's it's... yours? <laughs> Say, just say this one. It's Come really on, she has so many hits. Well, that's why it's hard to choose, yeah, David. All right. <laughs> Nathan, I am not prepared for this. Nathan's a big Jenny Andrews from the Andrews is obviously stand. Let's Get Loud. No, I have so many weird memories to it. Does she do Waiting for the Night? <laughs> waiting for yeah, Tonight. Yeah, yeah Waiting for Tonight. Go, that's oh, a good one. It's such a good song. I think it's between, between, between Waiting for Tonight and If You Have My Love. Nice. I reckon mine would probably be the I'm Real remix with Ja Rule. Oh, that's Deep some cut. real it's pretty good. good. It is yeah, pretty good. right. That's some real solid, like early two thousands, like R and B Friday shit. But that song didn't benefit refugees very much. Mm. No, nah. well, not, not directly. What's <laughs> 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 up? We spent too much time together, man. <laughs> we all spent too much time. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you've waited long enough. At number eight, this is Limp Fucking Biscuit. Can somebody like, get this out of court, please? Fucking this is hold me a- back! Uh, this no, is we are sending this to be- prison, yeah. so. <laughs> Let's do it all for the nookie, bitch! So this is a drive-thru. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to order something or get out, man. <laughs> In the 1999 Hottest 100, that is the track Nookie from the album Significant Other. Anyone who knows me knows in my mobile phone case is the ticket stub from the night I saw Limp Biscuit at the Horton Pavilion. And everyone's just like, how was that show? And I tell them exactly what I'm going to tell you now. It was fucking sick. You know why? Because Limp Biscuit are fucking sick. Anyway, what did you guys think of the song? I oh, know. <laughs> Could you imagine 
Imagine if that was literally <laughs> that was all your, I had. That, that, you'd be writing songs to talk about literacy, <laughs> yeah. and that's the take you have. I mean, it's pretty solid, man. Like, yeah, this is my gateway into the world of Limp Biscuit. I'm a young, impressionable child. This is such a full-on experience for me. I am hearing loud, thrashy guitars. I'm hearing weird, tripped-out hip-hop beats. I'm hearing very loud and aggressive yelling and rapping, etc. It's just, it's a fucking sensory experience for fucking eight, nine-year-old me, man. I don't know, there's like a sense of danger there. Like, did you ever, like, when your parents were watching something like MMAR, like something pretty full-on, like someone gets fucking murked in a coup or, like, titties on screen or it's just, like, some sort of shit you're not supposed to be seeing as a kid and you're just like, well, I'm going to have to go process that. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be, BRB, fam. I feel like that's kind of what happened here. Like, somehow, Limp Bizkit got past the fucking velvet rope of parental security and advisory and got shot directly into my fucking eyeballs while I'm watching it like Clockwork Orange style. There's just something so huge about like feeling this kind of energy in music. And for my money, like at this time, what Limp Bizkit was doing was unrivaled in terms of that. They were this full-on experience that kids just fucking connected with because it was completely different to anything else that was going on even in the world of new metal like you know corn had the creepy goth thing going on marilyn manson was just like oh i'm a scarecrow and you know just like <laughs> <laughs> i remember when he said that he's yeah. done it again <laughs> yet again resna minted <laughs> Yeah, but even Trey Rest is just like, yeah, I'm the fucking weird industrial daddy. That is his uh, brand. Very it's shoot. very much his yeah, brand. Yeah. Um, he has that t-shirt. But he's ripped through it because he's so fucking buff now. He has, he has the biggest arms in the world. Oh, he's so yoked, dude. Yeah. It's for donk. Um, yoked. Yeah. I haven't heard that term. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. It's strong. But yeah, dude, so like... When you're getting everything thrown at you with Limp Biscuit, you know, this angry fucking tiny little dude just fucking screaming in your face, standing next to like this six foot five freak who's like fucking rocking like a seven string and is like completely covered in like bizarre fucking face paint. Like, this is music that captures the imagination of young people and teenagers and it clicks in the back of their heads and just something explodes. Say what you will. <laughs> And I know for a fact that all three of you are absolutely going to the second I shut my mouth. I feel like Limp Bizkit deserves so much credit for being a gateway drug in so many senses. Oh, there's hip-hop that sounds like this? Cool. Oh, there's more, like, rap and fucking rock and new and metal and punk and, like, all this different shit that they're blending into their music, you know? Oh, there's other shit that sounds like this? Cool. I feel like a lot of people my age that got into the kind of shit that we're into now... They have Limp Biscuit to thank for. A few weeks ago, I was interviewing Zach from Fiddler, and we were talking about like how they play a bunch of festivals, and like there's like all these like massive like heavyweights at these festivals, you know, your Corns, your Metallicas, all that sort of shit. And he said to me straight up, guys in their twenties who play in rock bands now, if they are out there being just like, oh yeah, I never cared for Limp Biscuit, they are fucking lying, because. That, at the time, was such a fucking incredibly explosive thing. So, purely for that, I love coming back to Limp Bizkit. I love coming back to Significant Other. This is the moment where they are finally starting to get 
a sense of where they're headed creatively and musically, blending all these different genres together to create something that so many people have gone on to be like, fuck, we should start a band, dude. Oh, all of these bands would have been terrible. Absolutely. But the fact that it sparked that passion and that interest and that in the first place, I think there's something to be said for that. And I love the way that there's this kind of tonality shift between like the hip hop parts of the verses with DJ Lethal's beat and then going strange to that big atonal just Wes Boland's fucking shredding that uh, makes the chorus happen. Like there's just a lot of cool dynamics at play here. It's just a huge sounding song and absolutely one of the most 1999 songs of the 1999 countdown. Like, this is a time capsule track for me. Absolutely. I feel like with the music, when people like, there's like present day takes on Limp Bizkit. Like when when we've spoken about new metal, like when we spoke about Corn and stuff like that as well, are we all kind of like, like had this vague idea that like, has it been unfairly maligned kind of thing because there's more experimentation in the music to a certain degree than a lot of other straightforward rap or metal music right like yeah, yeah, yeah. Six, big but, time but I, I, it, it feels like they just threw everything against the wall to a certain degree just like oh we like hip hop we like scratching we like metal we like rock music or whatever like that and like I'm, I'm here for those musical takes but like at its heart, this is a dopey ass fucking moron song about hating your girlfriend. <laughs> this is what yeah. this is what is most poisonous about fucking new metal. This is some privileged ass white as fuck dude bros complaining about his girlfriend in a rap song. I'm not saying every sin upon the hands of new metal is Limp Bizkit's fault, but a lot of them are. <laughs> I'm not saying everyone who loves this band is terrible, but too many of them are. I mean. I'm right here. <laughs> yeah, the, the, this is fucking ugly music. This is vulgar to me. The amount of fucking dim-witted future MAGA hat-wearing chuds who emotionally abuse their spouses whilst fist-bumping their equally smooth-brained dude bros saying they're staying with them for the nookie is fucking incountable and makes me sick. This is vile, ugly fucking music. This is repugnant and ugly. Everybody involved in the creation of this song should feel like Lady Macbeth trying to wash the blood from their hands, <laughs> but of course nobody in this band's ever had a fucking shower. <laughs> Nice recital, baby. I think you're. I think you're right, man. (laughs) The way the way I kind of thought about it to myself was like the song is like a big fucking greasy burger. Uh, I'm talking about like. You, you can't even hold it because your hands are just like dripping with grease. Like, it's just, sure, there is a there is a satisfaction to be had with with some of what's going on here, but it's not good for you. It's gonna fuck you up, man. <laughs> I'm bewildered more than I am angry when I hear this song, when I hear the point of view, because it just to me it's like it doesn't fucking make sense. Because I can't I can't trace the emotional logic that that Fred Durst is kind of doing. How, it, how, how much I mean? fucking emotional intelligence do you think Fred Durst had in 999? <laughs> no, no, but that's the thing. Not a lot. What did he do for the Nookie? What did you actually do, Stayed man? Stayed with his girlfriend. He's, he's quote about it. It's, yeah, about, right. it's, it's about my ex-girlfriend. How she treated me like shit and I couldn't leave her and I wouldn't get over it. I tried to figure out why I did it and I figured I did it all for the Nookie. It's pretty That's gross. fucking ugly as shit, yeah. man. That sucks. Like, that's so <laughs> fucking bad. Also, furthering the argument that Wes Borland is the best member of the band and also doesn't <laughs> like Limp Bizkit. Um, there's also, if you haven't heard about this, Google it around. It's very funny how much Wes Borland talks about goes on Limp Bizkit. Like, it's just a job for him. He's like, I don't really like Limp Bizkit. He's pretty honest about it, yeah. man. He said, um, the music was cool, but I didn't like the lyrics at all. The funny thing is, is that Nookie was the working title. When we were in the studio, there was a porn magazine that had the word Nookie on the cover. So I was like, this song's called Nookie. I never thought it would actually run with it. I suppose it's all my fault. <laughs> <laughs> 
Deeds, do you know anybody that's gotten into Limp Biscuit as an adult? Not to my knowledge, because most people my age, like, heard these records yeah. when we were growing up. And, you know, we kind of came around back to them. Like, it's the same trajectory that a lot of people my age have had with Corn and with Slipknot, you know, where it's just like, we go away for a few years and then we kind of come back and it's just like, oh, yeah, we fucking loved this. Why did we ever stop listening to this? Yeah, look, I don't want to decry anyone forming an attachment to anything that then continues because like we've all done it we all like stuff that is you know probably critically passe or whatever revived, or also problematic and dumb yeah yeah mm. exactly but I think I think that's such a core part of Limp Biscuit is that like it, it's like childish and immature to such an extent that it's like it's so easy to just click in with as a kid I think not that mm. I did so I'm assuming mm. you know I'm putting a lot of stuff out mm. but I think like at now, as certainly as a as a thirty one year old, and this is, kind of goes back to what you were talking about with corn the other week, but like it's just impenetrable to me. I can kind of get on board with the experimentation. I think there's some technical things that they're trying. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But the song that they've assembled out of that is just shit, and the lyrics and that whole attitude of the band. I'm just like, this just sucks. On corn, when this was done, uh, I was listening to it on YouTube. The, the algorithm then served up corn's freak on a leash. Hell yeah! After this, I was blown away with the nuance of that song. Right, and I was like, like oh. sincerely, you gave me a new appreciation for the song. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> you guys were doing something here that I didn't give you enough credit for. Totally. I, words that I said about freak on a leash the other week that if it were not as positive as they should have been, there's a surprising amount of creativity and nuance in that song. <laughs> Just because of just because of Wind Biscuit, <laughs> but that's yeah. it. It's like like thinking back to Corn. I'm like, look, the the kind of sounds that they're playing with aren't the sounds I go to when I want to listen to music. But there's a craft there that is non-existent in this band. It's just shit. And again, I don't want to dig. Like, I I totally understand how as a kid you attach to this, and how as an adult you find depth you didn't see there as a kid, and that you continue that love. And that's that's fine. But I like this is just reprehensible music and. Kind of with Andrew to like, I think the amount of potential bad stuff to come out of this versus potential good is just like incredibly in favor of bad. Like, like, like not like obviously you're getting into the realm of the hypotheticals here, but the amount of potential harm that this kind of music does, right? I know, I know this is like a cultural Marxist thing, but I'm I was sincere in my anger. I can 100% see Chad wannabe guys fist bumping and saying like. But she's a bitch, man. Uh, sticking it in for the nookie. And to be fair, that's not just Limp Biscuit. No, of There's course not. No, bands no, no, no. that we all like that have oh, shit dude, fans I, as well. As I've gotten older and can look at it from a bit more of a distance, going like my potentially my favorite artist of all time is Nick Cave. He has a definite way that he writes about women and love and yeah. sex and violence. Um, oh, nice bush reference, Andrew. Sex and <laughs> violence. <laughs> Yeah. So um, you can take the boy out of the bush, <laughs> but you can't. <laughs> yeah, but like I like Nick Cave, right? Like, there's ways that he writes about women as objects and objects of love, attraction, and violence, right? Like, there's problematic ways of everything like that. Like, I'm sure he's shaped the minds of people to view women in a certain way. The problematic as well. No, like nobody's hands are clean, right? Yeah. Like, there's, there might be like four artists in the history of music who have done well and not made a fuck up and not made a fuck up right like and they're probably like probably Ella Fitzgerald was the last one <laughs> it's product of culture and you either work against the culture or you unaware or aware are complicit in it and further it or whatever and it's yeah. like that's I see it man like this is um, it's clearly toxic the dosometer doesn't 
go high enough. Mm. The Rodkin. <laughs> over uh, over 15,000 Rodkin. <laughs> I've been watching so yeah, much I, I, I wonder what. <laughs> I think there's something as well, and, and this is like, I think there's a lot of punk that suffers from this. There's a lot of hip-hop that suffers from it as well. When the, the presentation of rebellion is just reinforcing... Misogyny. Misogyny yeah. and, and other incredibly toxic, like, status quo things. Yeah. You know, like punk does it heaps, hip hop does it heaps, where it's just like we're gonna we're gonna shock and we're gonna shake up the rules by by doing all this stuff. It's like all you're doing is just like going along with the reinforced lines of disenfranchising people that aren't white men in this space. Yeah. I just hate it. But mm. but again, I, I kind of like I, I get the visceral reaction. Yeah. I get I get how Borland's guitar and the way that that plays with the drums and the pure energy of it. You can't fault Borland. He's, yeah. he's really good at what Absolute he does. Boy. And also, looks cool as shit. Right. <laughs> he, he's a fucking king. Yeah. He, he dresses up like, like space ninjas with swords yeah, and dude, stuff. It's That's tight cool. As hell. <laughs> and again, like, I, I, I hate this band. I don't hate people that like this band. You're allowed to. Well, I, I probably hate I th- some of them. I, th- but- I think today, it's way less. Impressionable youths listening to Limp Bizkit at the time and embracing the, like being co-opted into those values that's a bad thing but I think today Limp Bizkit is so far removed from like the zeitgeist that I don't think it's as like it's weirdly it's somehow less problematic to be a Limp Bizkit fan today than it was then because yeah. now they're like not that they're a nostalgia act because they still make music yeah David oh well they still tour they haven't put out a new record since 2011 I yeah think. right okay that's a little while ago but that's yeah. still like it's this decade yeah just. But I don't think Limp Bizkit, and this doesn't excuse them at all, in fact, it, 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 it just makes them culpable in a different way, I think, but I don't think they ever set out with a very serious agenda. Like, I think no, there's, a strong, there's a strong argument that people would make saying, like, you can't take Limp Bizkit seriously. Limp Bizkit just do not operate in the same world as high-level intellectual criticism. It's just pure body music. But I think, you know, that, that kind of skirts around the issue and is, and is a bit too much of a cop-out. In, in certain ways. I was probably too young to understand a lot of what they were doing lyrically. Yeah, because you would have been, what, nine? Yeah, thereabouts. So I was purely reacting to this on a musical level. I think a lot like, of people do, he was rap- it, Like At the time, he was rapping so fast to me that yeah. I had no idea what he was talking about. It was it, it could have been in Simlish for all I knew. <laughs> you know, like, it was literally just like, it's all coming at me and I'm just like, okay, all right, yeah, sick. It, it, it probably just kind of washed over me at the time and, like, it's only now so many years on where I can just be like oh okay I can see why if I was maybe a little bit older and I was at that age where I was paying more attention to lyrics I would have been like uh, okay but it's totally like yeah. you, you can totally listen to songs especially like as a young person and know the lyrics and not connect to them in any way no, of course. Oh, they're, absolutely they're just, they're just empty so sounds so many songs I loved were about rooting and I did not know what rooting was yeah and you can, that but, half popular music is about rooting <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about it is that like you will sing along you'll know the words but you just it just won't connect to any kind of real meaning or idea it's still just sounds that people make with their mouth that goes along with the music like that's totally a way that I've engaged with music in the past even potentially very lyrical music it's only I like, do it today, man. Do, yeah, exactly. Like, also, exactly. like, I, I, I don't listen to a huge amount of, like, non-English music, but I think more than the average person listens to a fair amount of non-English music. Yeah. I've never, ever looked at the translation of these lyrics, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, what if I... Yeah. Say, <laughs> essentially, that's the absolute end point of these, of the lyrics just being audio sounds, right? Because you don't know 
at all what you're saying and there is a connection with that even with music today that I like that I'll oh, sing along Gangnam to Style for instance yeah exactly or Daddy the better yeah. side song <laughs> the better <laughs> side song never miss the hottest musical take you have it's a better dance as well Pendulum Legs oh so yes tight. it's really good now we're talking yeah. I, think, I think you're onto something mm. with that oh I am is it <laughs> better than J-Lo's if you have my love yeah Ooh. I actually don't remember that J-Lo song so. go back and listen really? to it really yeah. yeah oh dude it's such a banger just go back and listen to it there is a smooth brained love and a smooth brained joy I'm right here to be no but this is I don't say that I don't necessarily say that as a, as a negative thing like again I say it's you know junk food no, right no 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 like I get it like, there's joy to be had from a big ass fucking greasy burger it's just like you just got to know that there's a there's a kind of there's another side to that that the cow probably wasn't too happy about the whole situation. Um, Go vegan, guys. Yeah, there's and uh, and it's not great for you to have that all the time, and maybe just I don't know, just no, I don't know, fucking. You're not no. the only one of my friends that like has a has a fondness for limp biscuit. Really? Yeah. You really? have a lot of like very intelligent up my I'm definitely like Doxum. the least Doxum. I'm definitely the least woke of your friends. No, that is, is not true. But this is exactly <laughs> the thing, right? Like, you know, it just it operates in a different joy in a different zone than yeah. intellectual. And it's like it's only when you engage that other intellectual part that then you go like, okay, like this is problematic. But again, we always say like the key is the is that awareness. The key yeah. is knowing and then you are in a position where you have autonomy and you can go against that. I think Limp Biscuit themselves lack that awareness in what they're doing i, I think, think that's that's kind mm. of the that's kind of the whole thing that's what i hear it's like because to me like it is nonsensical what he's what he's getting across is like from an emotional point of view is like if your girl's harming you but whatever it's okay because sex like that's just yeah. that doesn't make that doesn't make sense more than anything else to me when i look at this when i look at if someone was like trying to have a conversation with me and say that it's like yeah man i think my girl's cheating on me that sucks dude yeah but sex though what what are you I think, talking about? <laughs> I think you're only as good as your fans, but you're also not as bad as the worst thing you like. You know? Yeah. I think that, like... It's a very wholesome note to end on. Yeah. I would like to end on a slightly different note, though, because... <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, Nate. No, no, no. This is... No, I thought no, that was no. very lovely. This, this is... bitch. <laughs> what I'm about to say is, is very complimentary to what you just said, because oh. Limp Bizkit arrived on the name Limp Bizkit partly because they wanted to put people off. But they had several other names that they went through before they arrived on Limp Bizkit. Because we, we, we all know what Limp Bizkit is, right? Yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Google it. Go on. But before Limp Bizkit arrived on Limp Bizkit, they played with the idea of being Gimp Disco, Split Dick Slit, Bitch Piglet, and Blood Fart. And... Oh. If we could just please refer to Limp Biscuit as Bitch Piglet from here on out. <laughs> that's some good shit. They certainly picked the one that's the most, like, marketable. Yeah. Like, you, you, um, s- split dick slip. Smarter than they, they let on. <laughs> smarter but, than the fifth grade. Even, even though they picked Limp Biscuit, the label was like, guys, please change your name. So I changed it to his... Put the Z in. Please change it to <laughs> Bitch Piglet. I imagine that's what they say. Like, Please be Bitch Piglet. Well, unfortunately, that is the uh, last time that we get to talk about any kind of rap rock in this countdown. So, uh, yeah, thanks for this open and honest discussion, guys. Very much appreciate it. Ha! Anyway, uh, this is Rage Against the Machine at number seven with Gorilla Radio.
in the 1999 Hottest 100 Gorilla Radio from uh, their third studio album Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 <laughs> Adam it has to start somewhere mm. so with you yeah. it has to start sometime so what better place than here at FBI Radio and what better time than now oh hell can't stop us now um, fucking that's what's up so I love the fact that this song directly comes after Limp Bizkit not to not to like take this as another opportunity to dump on Limp Bizkit but I think like here is an example of doing kind of what Limp Bizkit wanted to do but in a way that doesn't carry the same kind of weight and problems that, that Limp Bizkit does instead we're channeling an energy that is politically motivated, that is motivated for, for change, that's where you're drawing your energy from in this song. This, we talk, Andrew, you in particular are big on like thesis statement songs for bands. This to this, me yeah, serves as Rage Against the Machine's thesis statement song. Like above anything else, a decade of the weapon of sound above ground. That's what they're doing. And, and I love that lyric because I looked at it and went, hang on a minute. This is 99. The first album came out in 92. I was like, what are you talking about? And I think what actually they're saying in that lyric is they're including Public Enemy in that as well, which I think is super cool because then it would be over a decade. Did they just form in 89 though? No. Oh. They, I believe, unless I'm like way off in the math. Huge. But even if that's incorrect, it's a sick take. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Formed in 91, it says. Exactly. So it's not a decade, but if you include Public Enemy in that, it is. Nice. Yeah. I think that's nice because mm. there's, there's definitely a lineage going on there. It just pays that energetic level, right? I love the very, very beginning of this. It's like, so hype. It's an audio strobe. It's so hype. It's just <laughs> the way they manage to communicate that, that, that stuttering and that flashing and then the way that that builds up into the actual riff, which is just ungoddamn stoppable into Zach spitting absolute fire and talking a lot in terms of lyrics, not only just kind of generally about generating that energy and that momentum and 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 using that as a as you know motivation to do something politically to go and pop shove it right in the face of your local <laughs> member of parliament go and go into your the local court pop system shove it to the polls yeah that's, that's right what's up. do a sick grind and open some jail cells that's right <laughs> That's I've, um, exactly what it wants to do. But also talking um, about the election that was happening um, at the say, time as well, yeah. I've, um, um, in the past, been over, perhaps, upon reflection, perhaps overly critical of Rage uh, kind of talking the talk without really walking the walk, but like being signed to Sony and stuff like that. And, but uh, coming to this song, I realised I do think the talk is very important. And for a hmm. hugely popular band made up of people of colour before an election to say, more for Gore or the son of a drug lord, none of the above. But to have the balls mm. to say, like, no, the, both sides are fucking evil. A mainstream thing. They're not just saying, like, yeah, vote for the Democrats because they're the lesser of two evils. They're saying, no, no, the whole system is fucking rotten. But you're more for and Gore than the son of a drug lord. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But also, <laughs> I'm, I'm, but, but I'm more for cutting the whole fucking yeah, cord. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, The idea that there could be a good American president is a flawed idea. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I think that that's kind of what they're saying. Except for Dwayne Johnson, obviously. <laughs> and you get that across in a <laughs> way... Terry Crews, now we're talking. But uh, and I think it's also very, very possible, again, what we were saying with Limp Bizkit, to listen to this song and not connect into 
what the lyrics are saying and just I certainly didn't when I was listening to this song no, that's the, that's, this is the other side yeah. of the coin right and yet I go back and listen look at it now when I have you know like a little bit more critically engaged with things and I go like holy crap man like there's if I had I maybe would have been a lot more politically engaged just as a human being because it would have got me at that time of at the time of my, my life when I was just like open to those ideas and whatever mm. um, well, that's it because I mean we talked about it we talked about it a lot when we talked about killing in the name yeah there's breadcrumbs here there's like little things that like if if you're into the song especially if you're young and into the song you're going to be like oh who are they talking about here I'm going to look totally. that up like and yeah. that is even just mentioning Mumia Abu-Jamal Abu, yeah. like that's yeah. huge yeah exactly what I thought as well right in my head I was like oh Guerrilla Radio is just another one of the rage songs that is like let's fight the power but yeah. like no it, like there's yeah. detail in here that is actually for a hit radio song as yeah. well yeah I think really Grammy award winning song like this the music about this fucking slaps and it is some of Zach's most fire lyric work he's yeah. like he's just on the beat like a beast and this is the uh, thing because I I wasn't into hip hop when I was first in a Rage Against yeah. the Machine, but coming back and listening to Rage Against the Machine now, it's going like fucking hell. Zach's a good rapper yeah. all the time. Yeah, and I think like the fact that those are those breadcrumbs. Not only is this a song that is that is fun and angry in a good way and politically on the fucking right side of history, this I know would have made like like someone would have heard this and gone to their local Jura Books or Anarchist Bookstore equivalent or looked up online Mm -hmm. and gotten like a Chomsky book and gotten a bit more politically aware so that like that justifies existence 10 times over if you just change the minds of one person I'm sure they awakened the minds of many more people than that aside from that it it fucking rips ass it's this this is probably my certainly my favourite like single from Rage this is definitely one of my finest favourite Rage songs I think they're in spectacular form here it just like even taking the idea of like their thing of being not that they're necessarily underground or just a Grammy award winning song, but like the idea of guerrilla radio, right? Like using art as, totally. as using art as guerrilla warfare. There. It's yeah. all there. Yeah, yeah. And and it, but it still feels like it's a throw to more underground stuff than them. Hugely. I think there's an yeah. acknowledgement in the song that they are not guerrilla radio. Yeah, and they're saying we need to look like sure. Don't just look at us. Look deeper. That's why there there are actual references to people you know writing books and whatnot yeah. there's references to south americans that like there's a lot there it's it's not just the like we are the forefront of the revolution it's just like huh guys turn turn that shit up you know mm. i think Hell that's very yeah. important i think it's important yeah. that it's not just about them something i hadn't considered that's that's awesome and mm. just uh, the amount of like absolute hype and chaos that's created from that breakdown in the spoken word and then that final riff what better place than here what better time than now? Oh, oh, it is just... It's a fucking powder keg, dude. It is just... Goes fucking mental. It's, a, it's Beast Unit. It's just oh, like... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, like it oh, Lord, it coming. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah, it is. Playing that man. shit on drums, man. That's one of my favorite fucking things. Just Because there was that one millisecond of dead fucking silence oh and that, like the breath goes out of you you just like what the fuck and that was one of the first times i'd heard that use of dynamics in a song when i first discovered that to hear that moment in a song was one of the first times i'd heard that hmm. the things got that quiet and stopped and then came back like that i hadn't heard yeah. i hadn't heard a band do that and, and also like 
Zach at the end when he's just getting his yells out. You believe him when he's doing that, man. Yeah. And even, yeah. even though Can't... he's always had the most fucking conviction, no matter yeah. what he's rapping about. But even like you look at the line "All hell can't stop us now," and it's like it goes deeper than you than you think because it's like the all hell he's referring to is the is the shit that he's talking about for the rest of the song. Yeah. It's like yeah. there are forces that are trying to stop us, and they are hell, but yeah. they can't. And it's just hype yeah. layers all the it, way it, down. It, it's legitimately even even today. I think twenty years removed, this is a song that I can see. And also, again, I, I do think it's important that they were fronted. They were people of color. They're not white people. Like, I think yeah. it's very important. Oh, totally. Um, I, I can see this being a chant kind of thing or played at a fucking Black Lives Matter rally, man. Mm-hmm. Or Antifa rocking with this shit. Even that, like, the music video is about sweatshops yeah. and the people in the music video are Unite Union members that, that are working to stop sweatshops. Like, wow, it's just like, man, they're just on it sometimes, you know? <laughs> when I was a kid, I was like... Oh, they spelled it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, certainly, the first, certainly the first time I heard the word gorilla. Mm. Would also be a great radio. <laughs> <laughs> We're all here for gorilla radio. <laughs> I end every mic break with, I'll get back to you, Barry. <laughs> what is? <laughs> Dude, uh. cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the, the Donkey Kong, the real Gorilla Radio. Okay. Yeah, I love Gorilla Radio, you know, the DK rap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gorillas. Oh, yeah. The Planet of the Apes soundtrack. Yeah. Ape yeah. Escape soundtrack. The Monkeys. <laughs> and what are your favourite Gorilla based songs, listeners? <laughs> Let us know in our five star. <laughs> also, what are your favourite uh, primates? Nathan? Hmm, orangutans, I think I'd go with. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, is your top one? Yeah, probably. Are yeah. those the hectic ones? They're, the big they're pretty hectic dudes from like it... Indonesia and and um. Yeah, oh, right, they're very good, and they're also very like fucked. So I'm feeling yeah. bad. For yeah. I back any boys but... with giant red assholes. That's what, some good shit. Okay. What, what was the one that <laughs> you know the ones ruined that woman's life in America? Was that a chimp? Oh, that was a chimp. A chimp. Oh, yeah. His, his name was uh, Travis. He was an actor chimp. Yeah. Um, he ate an a lady's face. Chimp? He ruined her yeah, life, yeah, man. He, he tore did. her face and her eyes and tore her hands off. Yes, he did some bad things. <laughs> He was a Dude. bad. He was a bad boy. Travis apologist over here. <laughs> Look, you shouldn't. Look, some of those songs were okay. Hey, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Look, he was a he was a performing chimp. He was raised in conditions that chimps yeah. shouldn't be no, raised yeah, no, in. Well, like, in like, Hollywood, he wore like overalls and he was on drugs and they gave him alcohol. Look, and every, everything that an, that an animal has done to a human and it's bad is probably the result of humanity's interference. <laughs> That's the, a fact. Yeah. And Travis In retrospect, though, like logic there. <laughs> they, sh- they shouldn't have been filming the sequel to Dunstan Checks In, which is Dunstan Knocks Out. Yeah. In the nineties when you had those those chimp movies, like some of them were Travis, man. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Dunstan fucks shit up. <laughs> Dunstan leaves a five star. <laughs> Typing with her hands! <laughs> oh! Six is by hand game with bad touch.
smothered once you covered like my waffle house hash browns got my quicker than fedex never reaching apex just like google calls stock you are inclined to make me rise an hour early just like daylight savings time you and me baby ain't nothing but mammals so let's do it like they do on the discovery channel Coming in at number six in the 1999 Hottest 100. That is the song, The Bad Touch, from the album. Hooray for boobies! That's a real album made by a real band. This is a real song, and we're throwing it to the realest mammal in the room, Andrew McDonald. Make it quick. Um, well, like, firstly, like, Jimmy Pop's a virgin, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> like, is, is that Jimmy Pop? <laughs> This is real projecting, man. This is like incel as fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, David, you're right. This was the lead single from the Hooray for Boobies album. I just wanted you um, to say it. Yeah. I really um, did. How old I, were they when they wrote this? <laughs> just going to check. Uh, how 27. old is Jimmy Pop? Ooh, 27 years old and wrote this song. I just want to say, before anyone wants to talk about the merits of this uh, song, uh, like Euro dance, comedy, rap kind of thing, I want to offer this anecdote about the people who made this song in the music video, very recognizable music video. They're in the the monkey suits doing the dances, lots of double entendres in the visuals. Double is is generous. Um, (laughs) A scene in the video features, uh, this was in the um, original version before it was uh, edited, um, but a scene featured a pair of uh, gay men in sailor suits who share french fries and then are subsequently beaten by the band members wielding baguettes. It was cut by Glad complained about it after it was first aired, but that was the initial cut, saying a gay bashing in any context in today's climate is not acceptable. But then Jimmy Pop responded saying, I'll give any gay man two tickets to the Andrew Weber musical of his choice if he could describe exactly who's going to become violent based on that scene. So if you want to defend this song, keep in mind that's who you're defending. <laughs> this is the episode where uh, we reveal that all the songs that you liked as a kid... Um kind of bullshit did you like this as a kid I don't think I liked it as a kid I, I, mean, I, I liked I other Bloodhound Gang songs Firewater Burn Fire. yeah Firewater Burn I remember liking that as a kid a lot mm. um, see here's the thing if this song was an instrumental I think it would bang the synth is kind of a jam because it's like it's just Eurodance right yeah, yeah. but dun, 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 I think dun, 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 dun. I think that's even just based on what you just said about you know gay bashing in the film clip you're, you're basically it's even more egregious because you're playing with essentially gay forms here as well like, like Eurodance dis- like Eurodance yeah. and disco and stuff like that which are very big for the gay community it's like you're co-opting that and not paying any respect to the culture that gave birth to it or who, who kind of like uh, that's pretty shitty but yeah like I think the instrumental is really fun you know what I'm, I don't often give thanks to the internet but you don't I don't true. I don't <laughs> But say Thank what, Mr. Internet. Say what you will. Now that the internet's around, if this song was released today, it'd be a viral YouTube video. It would be around for a week, max, and it would disappear and we'd all forget about it. Because that's what that's where novelty songs live now. Back then, back <laughs> for in the a short 90, time. For a short time, a mercifully short period of time where we have to put up with this shit. But back then, 
novelty songs only had one channel and it's the same channel as every other song and now it's immortalized and we have to deal with it forever I, it, um, I think even as a 10 year old I thought I thought I was a bit too old for this <laughs> I remember like, you know who wasn't too old at 27 <laughs> I, remember, I, remember, I remember my brothers really liking it both being younger than me but this I, I thought it was a bit silly when I was 10 <laughs> very serious child apparently <laughs> very, a little laugh in my life <laughs> it's folded under the, yeah. oh, well, this won't do it all <laughs> can we return to the end of the Weber musical already <laughs> Actually, I don't like it with the web right no. no, he's, he's a dick. Me. Cats. Cats. <laughs> what the shit? What's going on? Oh, that fucking trailer. Yeah. That thing's giving me nightmares. Truly horrifying. Oh, like, yeah. We've talked about some terrible stuff today. But that, 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 that's <laughs> really living like, through the worst they, of it. They str- it's got, like, awkward because memory is my postal vote, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they, like... Delved deep into the uncanny valley for that man. So yeah. funny. Also, even um, I saw this on the AV club. Even the furries think it's fucking weird. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. Well done, yeah. guys. <laughs> you know what looks even what looks less weird? The members of Bud Hanging are up as chimps in the video for this song. It's true. Yeah, I got a chimp that they should meet. Oh no! <laughs> Fuck! Wolf. Too soon. <laughs> that's not the noise that chimps make. <laughs> Have you ever met a chimp? <laughs> They're smart. They can imitate. <laughs> <laughs> the, the sign language for wolf. Uh, that's how Dunson checked in. They thought he was a dog. <laughs> oh, a service dog, of course. <laughs> right this way. <laughs> woof, woof. <laughs> and woof to you. <laughs> yeah, oh. this is Bloodhanging at their some of their most silliest by this point. I guess for them, right? Like they established themselves as like a novelty like juvenile humor band but then like you can't just keep making the same jokes you have to push it a bit more and push it a bit more and push it a bit more they're like all oh, right but well, we pushed ourselves to not be able to have any subtext in our humor so we just gotta keep doing this i guess yeah as a kid you get a thrill out of it in the same way as you do from staying up late and watching south park and they're saying bad words you know mm. what i mean like I'm, I'm not gonna front and say that i as a kid didn't find some kind of subversive naughty joy in in the song and that's really what they're going for mm. um, yeah but it's just a meme but also though this is uh sorry number six yeah in the countdown it's not just 10 year olds that vote for the hottest 100 no like no that's six that's so high more people wanted this heathen gorilla radio Oh, that's upsetting. <laughs> that's upsetting. <laughs> Only a few more though you know <laughs> just still, enough still it may seem like we're just tearing stuff off people found fun in the 90s this episode but it's kind of the name of the podcast man (laughs) (laughs) i like the shout out to the x-files when's that doing a doggy style so they can both both watch x-files there's a lot of x-files to get through you know efficiency (laughs) is important um honestly you the the two lead uh people two lead x-files so fucking hot beautiful people they're both bisexuals dream those two just oh get get me in and around sometimes sometimes when you're feeling spooked it can elicit Mm. some other feelings Mm. Uh, if i was uh gonna root and watch the x-files yeah i would just wait till it was a freaky of the week app and you don't have to pay attention to the ongoing plot oh uh, yeah if it's like an episode with the smoking man you really gotta pay attention mm. well maybe you just agree that if the smoking man comes on you just take a brief yeah take, so you know take a breather <laughs> just kind of chill out a bit and you, you'll be staying hard the whole time because david the cockney is on screen yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah oh both of them have aged fucking well as well spectacular. Yeah. yeah beautiful people oh real good the beautiful people <laughs> um, <laughs> did we talk about that oh we absolutely did talk about oh, that right <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. just say yes. Just say yes, Andrew. We will. So he'll, he'll forget he asked. Don't worry. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, this was a joy for a fucking child. Not naming any names, but maybe he was also really into the idea of Limp Biscuit at the time. Please, bitch, piglet. <laughs> <laughs> 
If there's any bitch piglet around here, it's goddamn Jimmy Pop. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, he's a bitch piglet. He is a little bitch piglet, <laughs> isn't he? He's a bitch piglet. He's a little bitch piglet. Oh, <laughs> it's the new cellar door. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah, man. Tolkien, Tolkien, when he said cellar door, was the best combination of words in the English language. He just clearly didn't think he, of he bitch piglet. He didn't think piglet. of bitch piglet. Maybe he did, and he was just like, people aren't ready. Yeah. <laughs> but the your kids are going to love it. kids are going to love it. There will exactly. be some other, other wordsmith to come yeah. who will... Post-war uh, England sensibilities are not ready for for bitch piglet. <laughs> they are ready for cellar door. <laughs> yeah, this was such a joy at the time because, you know, there was lots of naughty words in there and it was all, uh, like, rooting and shit. So it's just like, ha, ha, you get it? Ha, ha, that's real funny. And, you know, your pants are just like, oh, you know, it's a bit naughty. And it's just like, yeah, I'm a bit naughty, bitch. It'd be, it'd be so great because your parents, like, if your parents quizzed you at the time, being like, oh, really? What's this song about? Can you tell me? You'd be like, uh, uh. Bad animals, yeah, yeah, probably. You know, yeah. Um, and, I, and I think it it's, works, a, it's about nature documentaries. Yeah. yeah. I think it works like this, um, from what I've gathered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, yeah. I, I, think no, I basically no, understand what's going on. Uh, grilling a nine year old being is like, how do you fuck? <laughs> what's what's <laughs> your you method? Oh, yeah. yeah, what's yeah. your fuck stuff? Yeah. Yeah, little bitch piglet. <laughs> didn't, didn't age particularly well, but then again, neither did Jimmy Pop. So, you know. Here we are, 2019, baby. Was this pre or post flag stealing incident? Oh, this was very much pre. Right. He started doing that on what ended up being the last Bloodhound game right, tour. Okay. That's one way to see yourself out. <laughs> Fucking hell. Cause an international outrage. The Ukraine as well. I mean, I've watched Chernobyl. They've been through enough. <laughs> Big Ukraine head over here. All that, all that Rotgen guys. <laughs> you don't understand. It was really bad. Big Rotgen head oh, over here. Right. Man, was, the, the decimeters didn't go up that high. Have you watched it? No, I don't think I have the really emotional good. fortitude. Someone said a dog dies in like episode one or something. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> that's, that's the problem for me, man. I can't watch animals getting hurt. Big softy. 15,000 Rotgen. You don't understand. You haven't seen it. I don't, it's you're, a, lo- you're it's right. a lot of Rotgen. You're right when you say Rotgen that I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, okay, we get it. It's a gritty reboot of Marley and Me. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yes. Yes. Oh, wow. There's all these dead dogs. Wow. <laughs> Look at that Rotgen. <laughs> Look at that Rotgen. <laughs> Anybody got a disseminator that goes up this high? I don't know if disseminator is high enough. We need to end this season. (laughs) Yeah. We've been doing this for too 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 long. long. (laughs) Accrued too many things on the way. Our packs are so heavy with references. (laughs) That mercifully and definitively ends probably the final episode. Probably the finest. Oh, yeah. The finest. And yeah, saved our best to last. Murderous uh, chimps, Rutgen. Oh, what else do we have? Uh, before we get out of here, we're picking our favourites and our least favourites. As much as I love Nookie and I talked extensively about how much I loved Nookie, I'm going to give it to Gorilla Radio because that fucking rules. And I'll make it the champ because I can. Uh, <clears throat> least favourite will go with Last Kiss. Uh, Bob Marley remains. Uh, my favourite uh, was also Gorilla Radio. Um... It's close, isn't it? You know what? I'm making it my new champ because I, I probably moment to moment I do prefer going out to know my friends or rom, but there's something about the politics of this that right now it's striking a chord with me emotionally and I'm fucking here for that. Good work, boys. Nice, man. My least favourite and new chump is easily Nookie. Yeah, right. New oh, chump. Yeah, no, no question. Yeah, right. I think you're going to do the same. I think obviously Guerrilla Radio is favourite, but I think going back to it and, and discovering how much more depth was in it than I remembered was really exciting. So I'm going to make it my new champ and easily Nookie is my new chump. 
Yeah, right. Um, sorry, David. Um, it's fine. <laughs> I'm very, very tempted to give Gorilla Radio uh, my champ as well, but I think I just want to hang on to emotion sickness. Yeah, man. Well, that's got the place in your heart as well. That's got a huge place yeah. in my heart. And I think I think I want to continue to honor that, even though it's so easy to switch. And also, it um, rules, though. And, and, I, and I did have the, the, the back-to-back listen just to try and sort it out on the way here, and it's like, nah, i got to keep it. My champ will remain the tea party. But your least favourite is? Because I'm sustained by that. Um, oh, my least favourite? Man, there's so many bad songs in this mm-hmm. episode. Uh, I'm probably going to give it to the Bloodhound Gang, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Oh my God, I think we're finally done. Okay, on behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald. Good night. Mr. Nathan Harrison. Bye. Mr. Adam Buncher. Ciao. My name is David James Young. Everything is good for you, including the remix episode, which is coming up next. Piglet? <laughs> bitch piglet? We need a poo. You're a bitch piglet. He would never say that. Yeah, I know. They're pure. Christopher Robin, on the other hand. Oh. He loved Limp Bizkit. <laughs> came, came in as like... Big time. Big time. Oh, poo, you have to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, I don't know, Christopher Robin. Ooh. That sounds slightly problematic. <laughs> oh, what, what, what voice is that? Mickey. That was Mickey. Yeah. I think Mickey'd be in a heap's toxic shit. This, this song hates women. I think well, it's great. Well, oh. He's from like the twenties, man. He's yeah. definitely like a yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Minnie's a bitch. Yeah. Under my thumb. <laughs> Just like the back of the bus is a better place for them. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Mickey <laughs> likes minstrel shows. <laughs> yeah. No, Mickey, stop. <laughs> oh God. Someone stop the mouse from talking. Jesus. <laughs>